Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, uh, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're here with us uh, for the very first time. If you're watching with us online, you're a guest. We're glad that you're here. If you're in here and you're a guest, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody shout three times. Uh, here's why. I, I know when you do go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience in the first experience. So my, my goal and my hope would be is that you would come back and hopefully this could be your, your spiritual family. If you are watching online, we'd love for you to do a few things. Would you like, comment, share, maybe leave a review? Uh, just do something inside the chat. Say hi in the chat. Tell us where you're from. Uh, tell us what, how you're excited to be here. It actually helps us get through some of those uh, algorithms inside of social media. Get the message of Jesus Christ out. And so today uh, we are starting a, a brand new two-part series called Salt and Light. And and um, it's one of my favorite scriptures in all of uh, the Bible because um, what I've noticed is if I'm not careful, I don't know if you're like this or not, but if I'm not careful, I can lose sight of why I'm really here. I can lose sight of why I'm really on this earth, why uh, we, we were born here. You know, sometimes my, my interests or my hobbies or something can get in the way, and I'll forget why God really put us on this earth. And so Jesus kind of reminds us of this uh, in a really famous passage of scripture and really one of the best, what I would consider the greatest sermon ever preached. So Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have your Bibles, um, we'll put it up on the screens. But if you do, um, we'd love for you to bring a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I will give you a Bible. So just let us know you don't have one and we will give you one inside of our information center um, so that you can start reading it. Uh, but Matthew chapter five, Matthew is found in what we call the New Testament. It's uh, kind of the second half of the Bible. In the second half of the Bible, the New Testament starts off with uh, the book we're in, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of what we call the four gospels, where they're just really a biography. It's like a life of Jesus. And so it really tells us what Jesus did and, and what his life was like while he was on this earth. And in Matthew chapter five, he kind of starts his ministry with what they call the Sermon on the Mount, which was an incredible sermon that he, he took time. And the reason they call it the Sermon on the Mount is because he was on a mountaintop and he started to preach. And so he preached uh, one of the greatest sermons. He start, and, and inside of the message, you can go through and read it in Matthew chapter 5. Um, he preaches on anger and, and divorce, and he preaches on revenge and uh, vows and adultery and marriage. I mean, he, he takes every topic you can think of, and he preaches through it. And he starts the message um, off with what they call the Beatitudes or how to be happy or uh, the blessed are or blessed is the people that and so he kind of goes through a bunch of those and then he follows up this kind of idea this his thesis his kind of uh, uh, sermon sermonic statement of what we're supposed to be here with our purpose I like it because he kind of almost intros he's like like before I continue with my message let me remind you why you are why you are here and it's found in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 everybody with me okay you kind of got context y'all know what he's doing so Matthew chapter 5 he says this you are the salt of the earth. I like that. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, you don't know this, but that was a cultural reference to the Jewish people back in the day. So verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. He says, not only are you salt, he says, let me give you another metaphor. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl Instead, they put it on its stand and they give its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love that. Now, I was reading uh, different translations of this verse, and I thought um, well, it, was, it was super, really, it was just a great way to read uh, this passage of Scripture. We're going to read a different version, um, just so you know. Like, we use all kinds of translations and transliterations, and somebody asked me one time, what's the right translation of the Bible? And I said, the one that you understand. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's there. we don't struggle with the wrong translation. We struggle with just reading the Bible in general. So if yeah. you are reading the Bible, good for you. I'm glad you are paying attention. So, uh, well, but I, I was I was reading um, uh, the message version, and just so you know, like, don't be all funky about that. Like, 
like, well, that's not the real Bible. Like, you don't even know what you're talking about, just so you know, you know. And, and so there's some, there's, some, there's some great versions and transliterations, translations, and this is more of a thought-for-thought thought idea for uh, the message version. And I want to read that to you, Matthew chapter 5. He says it like this, so good. He says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. God, I love it. I just like this language. He says, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youthful, usefulness. And we'll end up in the garbage, another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of this world. I'm like, this is good. God is not a secret to be kept. Maybe my favorite part. He says, we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm going to put you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on the hilltop on a light stand, shine. Everybody say shine. So good. He says, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I love that scripture today. He's, he's reminding us, Jesus is telling us, you have a purpose to be salt and to be light. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I just thank you, God. Today, you have a, a word for us, Lord. There's something so powerful about reading your Bible and your word. It's alive. It's active. And every day I, I, I get to preach it, I'm humbled I realize that there are so many words that we could be paying attention to. There's so many people speaking to us, God, and may just for a moment, let it just be you. Let, it just, let us just hear your voice today, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 I uh, recently, when I was in, uh, in college, I took up a sport um, called golfing. And uh, I loved to golf, and it was uh, it was pretty powerful. I did it for about three and a half weeks, and uh, and I gave it up because uh, if you've never golfed in your life, you know it's easy when you get on like when you watch it on TV, and these guys make it look like it's simple just to hit a little white ball with a really long metal club, and you they just make it look like you could just walk up and hit it. And that's what I thought. I thought I'm just going to walk up and hit the ball, and it did not work out that way. So I kind of was more of a casual golfer over the next 20 years of my life. And what I realized, and now recently, I've just recently picked it back up because my counselor told me I needed to have something that I would have as a hobby. How many of y'all know what a hobby is, right? A hobby keep your, your mind off the things that are bothering you. And so there's a lot of things in my life I cannot control, but one thing I can control is I can actually go to the golf course and I can just focus on hitting a tiny white ball all day long. And that's all that I worry about. I don't think about my kids and I don't think about the church and I don't think about y'all believe it or not I just kind of just think about uh, just trying to do well hitting this tiny white ball that's all I was thinking about and so I got I had a purpose my purpose when I set out to golf this season of my life was to relax everybody say relax yeah look at your neighbor and say relax relax chill out like that's what I, my goal was is to go and run I realized as I started golfing it did not work out that way and every time I go, every go, every time I go to the, the golf course, I realize I do not relax. I actually get amped up. I get stressed out because I go to the golf club thinking I'm going to go and relax. And, and I got really upset the other day, a couple weeks back. I got upset because I went out there and I thought the first nine holes, by the way, there's 18 holes. If you don't know anything about golf, there's 18 holes on a golf course. The first nine holes, I'm telling you what, I was out there like Tiger Woods. I was Rory McIlroy. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, let's go. Sign me up. I need sponsors right now. I need a manager. Help me out to just start. I'm just I'm going to start playing the tour. It's going to be amazing. The church will be OK. It's going to be fine. Just let me go play the tour. And uh, by the last nine holes, it all, the, the, what they call it, the wheels fell off, y'all. 
the wheels fell off and I could not hit this ball to save my life. I started talking to the ball. I'm like, would you please, like if I hit you, will you just go straight? You know, when you start talking to inanimate objects, you know there's something wrong. And so I'm just trying to, I'm like trying to have a conversation and I got so mad. I drove home and I was, I was mad. I was, my wife was like, I almost threw my clubs, I almost broke them. I'm like, this is it, this is ridiculous. And I come home and she's like, what's wrong? And I said, I'm just mad because I didn't do good. And she goes, well, wait, 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 wait. She goes, are you, not, are you making money at, for, with golf? I said, no. She goes, well, like, are you, were you in a tournament trying to win a, like a, a thing? I said, no. She are you like, was there somebody there you were trying to impress? Like, was, are you trying to like show people that you know what you're doing? I was like, no. She goes, well, what was the purpose of you golfing? I said, to relax. She goes, are you relaxed? I said, no. She goes, let me remind you. She goes, because she, 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 she knows my counselor. She talks to him regularly. She's, here's what's wrong with him. Fix it. And, uh, and so she, she said, I talked to your counselor. She goes, the whole point of you going out to golf was to relax. So, so go out there with that purpose just to relax. I remember thinking, like, man, if you don't know, it, it's funny. If you don't know the purpose of something, you'll never fill it. And so, like, if you, if you get into something and you don't know the actual purpose to it, and if you don't like have an idea of what, what's the whole point of this, you can miss it. So like marriage is like that, y'all. Like what's funny about people and trying to get married, like I tell young people all the time, like why are you getting, the one thing I ask before, so I don't even do marriage counseling anymore because I typically try to talk them out of it. So people don't want to marriage counsel with me. And so I'm trying to like, hey, like, why are you going to get married? And they, 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 you know, it's like, well, I want to be, I want to have love, you know, I want to be loved, you know, or if you know, I want to create a family. I'm like, just so you know, those are all byproducts of marriage. Like those are, those are, you get that as a bonus. Like what's the point under God, what the point of marriage is supposed to be? And after remind them like marriage is under God. God called you to continually and regularly sacrifice and die daily for this person you have chosen. All you're doing is picking out the person you want to sacrifice the most for. So if you can do that, then you got the right idea of what purpose of the marriage is supposed to be like. Under God, God wants to show his love through you while you sacrifice for them. If you do that, then you'll get it. Then you'll fulfill the purpose if you know the purpose. Church, like how many of y'all know what the purpose of church is? So people think the purpose of church is for me to come in here and entertain you so you heard the right song and you got the right message and you can walk out of here going, God, I got a word and now I can make it through the weekend. Just so you know, those are all byproducts of the purpose of church. The purpose of the church, the local church, the hope of the world, God's hand in the world is to actually go out and he just told you to go out and be salt and to be light. Like he wants you to remind you regularly, remind me regularly that like, I am not in this just to be a bump on a log. I'm not an accident. I wasn't a statistic. I actually showed up to church so that I could be the church, so that the world can be better, so that I can be better, and we can actually make it to the end of the day. All right? Like, that's what my goal is. So Jesus reminds us, he kind of, it's like this foreshadowing of the Great Commission. So Matthew chapter 28, if you've never read it, just so you know, I've read it. I read it for you. I'll tell you what he does. At the end of his life, he gives you and I the great co-mission. Co-mission, meaning you and I have the mission with God together. You and I, both of you. He called us into this thing. What I love about God is he doesn't need us. That's right. yeah. But he wants us anyway. That sounds like love to me. So I'm like, okay. He says, listen, I got a plan on this earth, and I want you to be a part of it. And he says in Matthew chapter 28, to therefore go. Everybody say go. go. And then he says make. Everybody say make. make. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he's really clear, like, this is what I want you to do on this earth. This is your purpose, is to go be. So when he was talking about in Matthew chapter 5, 
He's referencing, really, he's trying to tell you that I'm foreshadowing what's going to come up in Matthew chapter 28 to let you know what your purpose is, is to go and to make, to go. We, we use it. We use it in our mission statement. It's to reach people and to build lives. That's what you want. You want to know what we're all about? That's what we're all about. I'm not, we're not about a billboard. We're not about a, creating a ministry. We're not a, about making sure my name gets famous. We're not about making sure the church gets famous. We're not about trying to make sure we're the biggest, we're the baddest, we're the most. We're trying, here's what we're about, reaching people and building lives and doing that in a healthy way. And the only reason we're doing that is because Jesus told us to do it. So we thought he had a good mission. Let's not recreate the wheel, y'all. Right. So if that's what he's doing, he's reminding us that you and you and I live this earth. We have to remember we're salt and we're light. Now this matters. Yeah. And seasons matter. Yeah. Because here's what happens. Right now you and I are all in a, a new season. Somebody y'all just sent your kids to school and you're praising the Lord. <laughs> because you couldn't do that. Some of y'all couldn't do that last year and you were like, this is a cruel form of punishment where you're making my kids stay with me longer than I had bargained for. Like when I had a child, I thought I was going to be able to send them to school where they torture teachers and not me. But now you kept them. And so this year you let them go and you're like, thank you, Jesus. We're moving into a new season. And with new season come new, new trials and new levels and unfortunately new devils. And so now you're going to have to figure out what this season is for you. For our church, we're about to two weeks. If I say two weeks, two weeks, we start three services and what we tri traditionally call our church service. Like, just so you know, like, so I'm like a church, like history junkie, right? I, I, I'm, I, I study things. I try to make sure I know church metrics and how church things grow. I'm a coach for church planners. So I tried to really figure out this, this, this idea of called church. And so in church, in the church world, we're about to go what we call to the fall launch where everybody comes back to church. So, like, what's amazing is y'all are part of, the like, the less than one percenters. Y'all are here before everybody else is coming back. Congra give yourselves a hand. Come on. Like, you're like, that's a pat yourself on the back moment. Like, thank you, God. I knew I was good. Just, just say it. Just say it. I knew I was good. Just say it. Yeah, I knew it. I just, God, you made me great. And so you are here before most people are coming back. Here's the problem. There's no room for people who are coming back. So what are we going to do? We're going to make room. We don't just go, oh, man, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah. Well, you know, hope you find a place. Hope you make it. You know, we do that Christian thing. God bless. Praying for you. And you don't pray for them. You're just happy you got your seat. So next, in two weeks, we're going to open up to a third service. And the reason we're doing that is because we, we care about reaching people. Because Jesus cared about reaching people. And so we must know what we're doing right now, that you are salt and you are light, yeah. that you have a purpose in this world, that it's about you going out of these walls mm -hmm. and not just inviting, but bringing. Right. Yeah. Why? Because you're salt and you're light. And so instead of allowing a hobby or a career or your family or what you saw on Instagram, or who told you something on Facebook, or a movie you watched to define who you are, let's just let Jesus define who we are, yeah. which he defined us as salt and light. So two weeks. Today I'm going to talk about salt. Next week we'll talk about light. But I thought, why would you, you ever ask this question, like, why would you, out of all the metaphors that he could have used, why, why salt? Why light? Could have called us anything. 
I could have used anything. Why, why salt? Why light? So I, I did just some research. And I just thought about four just quick things, quick thoughts, four quick thoughts on salt. If we can be like salt and have the characteristics of salt, you know, I know like cultures, like if you were kind of a mean person, they call you salty, right? They kind of call you like, man, that person was a little salty. I'm like, can I flip it a little bit? Like godly saltiness is good. He says, no, no, I want you to be a salty person. And so this is like godly saltiness, okay? So this is, uh, how can you be salt in the earth? And we're going to use the four kind of characteristics of salt first, four purposes of salt. First one is this, um, salt brings flavor, right? This is like the number one thing. Like we know, like, you, you, you know this, like when you cook, like one of the things, you ever watch like uh, the cooking shows, you know, like uh, Gordon Ramsay or something like that, you know, and he's, he's like, what you doing? You know, he's, you know, he's British. That's my British accent. And so he's like, you know, and he's like, you know, it's like, there's no salt in it. You need to salt it. You know, it's, it's bland, your donuts, you know, and it's like, Man, this guy's pretty intense. And so, you know, he's like, the, he's like the, the, the cooking show for the kids, you know? He's like yelling at the kids. And so it's like, and he's, you know, but he's, he talks, all these guys, one of the main things is that when they can't taste it, they say, you, you, there's, not enough, there's not enough salt. He says, because you can't, you don't have any flavor. I read a, a study about this, and they said about salt, because I thought it only just kind of brings up, you know, the salty flavor. And they says that salt not only gives food salty flavor, but it can also, I love this, he said, enhance other flavors, such as aromatic notes. I love that. I, I would have been a chef when, in my another life, Josh. I'm telling you, I could have done it. Uh, nobody would have eaten my food, but I would have been a, a chef. Uh, it balances sweetness and helps suppress flavors that are not good, such as bitterness. I was reading that, and I'm like, man, that's good. So the summary of it, salt makes things better. Salt makes things better. Better. I was cooking the other day because uh, I've been doing this. Uh, you know the the food boxes that you can buy. They're like membership kind of thing. You know, it's like home chef stuff. You know, where they send you the the food. And uh, I've been my wife and I started it just for me and her. And so we've been kind of cooking. And I've been cooking a lot lately. And I've been learning about different things. And this recipe called for like a certain amount of garlic. Now I love garlic. How many of y'all like garlic right in here? Come on. How many of y'all like some garlic people? And so I love me some garlic. And so it asked for like a little bit of garlic. And I said, I don't want a little bit of garlic. I'm telling you, I'm a chef. I'm going to throw a lot of garlic up in this thing. So I cut up a bunch of garlic and I just threw it in there. And how many of y'all know uh, it ruined the dish? It didn't work. Made it worse. It actually made it work. My wife, she t <laughs> she's so sweet. She took a bite. She goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, like, handed it to my kids. And my kids were like, mm -hmm. <laughs> But, like, because it was too much. It got brought too much bitterness. And so what was funny was is, is I should have stuck with the recipe, number one. But, but number two, um, too much garlic, like, it was, it was, it was overpowered. It was bitter. And then what, what, what that guy said in the study, it said, said like, when you, when you add just the right amount of salt, it brings out the flavors and it covers up bitterness. It enhances others around. I'm just like, come on, like, can we be just a little bit of people that add flavor to yeah. others' life? Yeah, right. yeah, really like, could you and your relationships and your people and your world, come on, in your world, you either get things better or you make things bitter. There seems to be no halfway, y'all. Come on. Yeah. And so what I want to encourage you today, like when you, if you're going to accomplish the Great Commission and start bringing people, not inviting people, there's a difference between going, uh, will, you, will you come to our church? And saying, hey, what do I got to do 
to get you to church. I'll take you to lunch. What do you want? Like, I'll come clean your house or watch your kids. Whatever you need. I got there's something happening inside of a life-giving church, and you need life, so I want to bring you to this church. There's a difference, right? In order for you to do that, you got to be somebody who brings flavor into somebody else's life. And if you are like that garlic person, come on, make, make the face that my wife made when she tried that dish out. When they get around you, they just go, mm. Some of y'all convicted. Because when people see you coming, they move to the other side of the street. They lock their doors. Like you walk up to their door and the whole family, like the lights turn out and everybody's like, shh. <laughs> They'll think we're here. Instead of opening the door and going, these people about to come bring life. Yeah. And it's not a personality thing because I know what you hear in my mind. And you're like, like, well, I'm just an introvert. Let me just tell you, introverted people can be life-giving people. Yeah. You can be a blessing to others. you got to ask yourself this question. How can I val- add value to others? Yeah, Just ask that question. How can I add value to others today? Well, I have one of the prayers that I have when I wake up in the morning. And this is not natural to me. Like, I, I wake up in the morning. I want to be added value to me. I want value to be added to me. How many of y'all like me? Like, uh, Lord, add value to me today. And he always reminds me, before you ask me to add value to you, you should probably ask me to give you the power and the authority and the energy, come on, and the clarity to add value to others. So when you add value to others, come on, it's amazing when you start being the most generous person in the room, how generosity reciprocates onto you. You start to become like the most person that's invited to all the parties. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't understand. No one ever invites me. But like, you do the inviting. You do the blessing. You be the value. You be the salt. You bring the flavor. I've realized that when I cook food... If I don't have salt in that thing, it's missing something. I want to be the guy. I want you to be the people that when they look at their life, they feel like they're missing something without you. Come on, you're adding flavor so you can bring them who can accomplish the great commission. That's good. I'm going to high five myself. All right. Fulfill your purpose. We got to bring some flavor, which, by the way, if you're not that person, if that's not you, start today. Wow, I must have missed the boat. No, you didn't. Boat's still here. You can get on it. Start today. If that is you, don't stop. Don't let the world convince you that you there's something wrong with you because you're just so generous. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I had someone tell me the other day, there's a gentleman. He, he asked me a question. I said, yes, sir. He said, nah, don't call me, sir. Don't call me, sir. I said, can I just talk to you for a minute? Please don't discourage young people from honoring their elders. Yeah. Yeah. I know you think that makes you feel old. It has nothing to do with you. Like, don't let the culture of this world try to change what you are because they feel uncomfortable. They should feel uncomfortable about it. They're used to disrespect. Learn how to respect, right? They're used to that. So if that's you and you are the flavor of the world, don't stop. Come on, don't stop. Don't let them convince you that you need to stop. Well, you're just too nice, and you just have too much people around, and you're just so good to people. Like, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. It's awesome. <laughs> you should be that too, garlic. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, all right, sorry. All right, number two. I told you, I, if, if, you need, if you need a pastor who needs help, I'm, the, I'm your man. All right, so um, number two, preservation. Yeah. So salt brings flavor, but salt also brings preservation. 
It knows how to preserve. I was reading something. It was talking about how, like, before uh, electricity and refrigeration, salt was used to um, preserve meat and fish. Like, it kept it from going bad. And I was thinking about that. I was like, man, that's kind of cool. Salt has, like, all of these properties. And and you need to know this. Did, did um, Did you know that as godly people, you were called to keep things from going bad? To keep the relationships in your life from going bad. There's a lot of things in my life. I've noticed relationships are messy. Yes. And, um, and when something goes wrong in a relationship, the natural inclination of me is to, to, to shut it off and to stop it and to kill it. It's done. It's done. So if I get offended, my first inclination is not to keep it going. My first inclination is to stop it. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. They even have a word for it in our, our world right now. It's like cancel culture. Oh, so we don't agree. Cancel. Oh, so you and I don't. We don't see eye to eye. You're done. Oh, you offended me. You said something to me that I don't agree with and offends me. We're done. That's it. It's over. Salt looks to preserve First and foremost, Paul, 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 if you ever look at the Apostle Paul, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament, by the way. He was an enemy of the people of God before he was changed by God. Shows me that I can. There's always hope. Paul writes this weird. He if you look at the thematic messages of his letters that he writes to these churches, like Romans is a church is a letter to the church at Rome. Corinthians is a letter to the church at Corinth. And so he's writing these letters. If you look at the thematic theme of it, one of the themes you see in his writings is this idea of, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's best way to describe it is like living sacrifice, like a living sacrifice. If it makes you feel like all the relationships in your life, you like, you're always the one, we're always the one trying to like sacrifice. We're always the one that's trying to like invite people. We're like always the one trying to make things happen. Like we're always the one that's always trying to be forgiving. We're always the one that have to be loving. We're always the one. Just so you know, stop complaining about that. That's what you're supposed to be. It's like, well, I don't, I don't understand. Like, Paul said, you're supposed to be a living sacrifice, which means you're alive to die daily to your needs, to your wants, to your selfishness. No one has ever said in the history of mankind, I fed every selfish desire and it made me feel good. In fact, every time you feed your selfish desires, you tend to feel worse. So, so Paul is reminding us that like you should do everything you can to live peaceably with everyone. He says it in Romans chapter 12. If it's up to you, do whatever you can do. Live peaceably with somebody. You should mend fences and make sure that thing doesn't go bad. Be salt. So there's some relationships right now in your life, and we don't need to talk about it. I don't need to ask you who they are. I don't need to make you close your eyes and think about it. There's some relationships in your life that are teetering on the brink of death. And you are, every person in the world, including your mama and your cousin, are all telling you, that's it. Cut them off! I just wonder if you should ask God if you need to preserve them. How do you reach, how, how, do, you, how do you reach people, come on, that you've cut off? 
How do I reach people that I hate? How do I reach people that I've said you're done? I got to have influence in them. And I'm not saying there aren't some relationships that need to end. You should go back and listen to a lot of my messages. I talk a lot about that. That you need to have some boundaries. There's needs of people need to be able to make some adjustments. Relationships are always based on whether or not they can jive with certain things that are going on with your life, right? I get that. But I wonder if we use that as an excuse to cut people off. I'm just preaching to me, y'all. I don't know if you're like me. I'm not like that. Like, I just, man, you just, and and I, it's something that I want to see changed in my life. And so what late relationships right now need to be kept from dying? What do you need to preserve? Is it a marriage? And you're ready to give up? Don't give up, sir. Ma'am, don't, don't give up on him. It seems impossible. You, can you just do whatever you can do to preserve it? There's a friendship. There's a coworker. You have to do this by the Spirit. You've got to be able to got to discern. But, but I'm just saying, just, is there something? Something to think about. Third one is this. So it gives flavor. It preserves. Third one, it melts. Now, in South Texas, y'all don't know what a lot of this is up until this last January when we had snowmageddon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I re- t- okay, can I tell you a funny story? I'm literally watching the news, right? So this is in January, and like where the snow was coming in, it was like ice, you know, it was ice town. Like San Antonio was becoming ice town. And we were like, and they were talking about the river or the, uh, the roads. And so like Texas Dot was like Department of Transportation. They were talking about like, <laughs> the news interviewed Texas Dot about what they were going to do with the roads because the roads were going to come in, they were going to ice over. And they were like, I'm like, why did you guys do this interview? Because, because the guy on the, literally the, the person on the Texas dot person, they're like, what are you guys doing about the coming snowmageddon that's coming? And they were like, uh, we, uh, we don't know. <laughs> this is the government, y'all. <laughs> and they're like, well, what should we do? And the guy literally goes, man, we should, uh, we should pray, you know? I, <laughs> I don't know, you know? They ain't never seen no ice in South Texas. Right? Like, snow doesn't exist down here. That's why I moved here, y'all. Like, I could never see snow ever again. That'd be good. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm from California. Like, we didn't even see that ever. So, like, we don't want... I'm good with sun. And so they're like, we don't know what ice is. And so they were talking about how, like, you know, in, in Missouri, when we used to live in Missouri, they're, we're used to it out there, right? So they're used to it. So what they do is they, they would ice... The ice would, you know, get on the roads. They would salt the, the roads. What does the salt of the road, what does the salt do? It melts the ice. It takes things that were for cold and it brings it back to restoration. It actually makes it usable again. And I thought, what an amazing thought because, you know, one of the ways we use the idea of cold is when somebody passes away. Yeah. When death happens. So that, that, that thing turned, it, it turned, a person turned cold. Yeah. I remember I had a privilege of my wife and I uh, got to uh, perform the funeral of one of my best friends in all of the world. And she passed away recently. And, um, and I remember um, walking up to her casket. And uh, the last time I had talked to her, we had hugged. And uh, she was like a mom to me. She's one of my best friends. And uh, I remember reaching down and touching her hand. She was, you don't notice, you don't think about stuff like that until you're there. And I touched her hand and it was cold. It's cold. And she had died. 
And I, I just like the power of salt. This is the ability to, to melt away the cold. Things that have gone, gone dead. You and I, we have the power through Jesus Christ to raise dead things to life. Some things in my life that have gone cold. And all, I think they're dead and gone. But, but Jesus. Somehow he just, yeah, he just brings the dead things alive. Yeah. There's this crazy story in um, the Bible where, where Jesus was like, he had a friend. I like that the Bible says that Jesus was normal like us. You know, he had friends and he had enemies and he had people who didn't like him and people who liked him. And he had family and he had, you know, I don't know, he just had drama. He had everything. You know, he had people who betrayed him. He was just something, he just felt, felt normal, you know. And um, John chapter 11 talks about a story where, where he raised his best friend to life. Can I read it for you? Because this is important. Because I think there are some dead things in your life right now. There's some dead relationships in your life right now you need to revive. He says, so they, they rolled the stone aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always, you always hear me. I don't know, sometimes I pray to God, I don't think he hears me. And if you're like me, you need to be reminded of this verse. He always hears you. He always hears you. So, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. He said, then Jesus shouted, I like this. Lazarus, come out. I was asked the question, I'm like, why do you say Lazarus, come out? Well, if you would have said, if you would just said come out, then everybody in the crypt would have walked out and been lighting the living dead. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, like the thriller, Michael Jackson video all over again. It's in thriller. It's okay. Um, you know, like, no, just you, you come out. And uh, so Lazarus comes out, and this is his best friend, and he stands there. Romans chapter 8 reminds us the same power that raised Christ from the dead, come on, lives in you and lives in me. I just wonder, I just wonder, I just wonder, is there some relationships in your life that you've allowed to die that you need to revive? I just wonder, for the sake of the Great Commission, I know they offended you. I know that they're dead to you. I know, come on, don't we say that? They are dead to me. And I'm just saying, for the sake of, of what Jesus called you to be, salt, is there somebody who has gone cold that you need to just use the saltiness of your life to melt that away and go, you know what? Hey, I know we had a falling out. Some of you right now need to pick up your phone and just go, hey, I know we had a falling out. I was probably wrong in it somewhere. Will you forgive me? I, I think we need to restore what is dead. Amen. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, you might be something you need to think about. And I know, like, all I'm doing right now is reminding you of all the people that offended you and all the things. So nobody amens this part. And people are like, yeah, Pastor, move on. They're dead. They're going to stay dead. That crypt is done. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just it. But, but there could be some. I, I'm talking about for the sake of the Great Commission. I'm talking about for the sake of your purpose. You will never feel more alive than when you walk in your purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
trying to just convince you to be salt. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. Last one. Last one. Last one. It softens. Now, we know this in South Texas because we have like the hardest water in the history of mankind. And when I moved to Texas, I didn't know anything about this. That I needed a, the, the, the person said, you need to buy a water softener. I said, I'm good. And I lived six months in my house without a water softener. Y'all, I was not good. I mean, we're talking grime, grit, right? Like the water, like you can, I could feel the water and like the hardness of it ripping skin off of my skin. Like this is not good. And so what they do is they have you put in a water softener and they use salt. Come on. To soften the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I have noticed that the world has not gotten softer. People have not gotten softer in their demeanor. Come on. They have gotten harder. More rigid, sharp, angry. Ugh. Right? And sometimes I look around and I feel like overwhelmed by the hardness of the world, right? And it's almost because like we have all become, the world has gotten us so afraid of everything that we've put up barriers of walls to, we don't really, we don't reach people because we're afraid of people. It's like we forgot how to have conversation. I was talking to a teacher. She said, man, these two-year-olds are or two, two second graders are walking in and they don't know how to talk to each other because they don't know how to, they've never had a chance to talk to each other. What a world we live in, right? You and I are called to soften the hardened people. Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. I love that. Soft answer. Why would he say that, soft? Why would he use the word soft? Soft answer. Now, I don't know about you, but the natural inclination of me, and when I get wrath, I don't respond to with soft. Anybody else like me? Can I tell you? I'm done. I'm closing. Put the, you can put the music on, the fancy music. But like the... The other day I was golfing. I love, okay, so I just, I'm a golfer now, right? So I just want to tell you all the areas where I, I, I'm terrible. And so um, I'm playing 18 holes. They, 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 I was playing with the church member, and then the, the, um, uh, they paired us up with a, another guy. And the guy comes and he plays 18 holes with us. And I'm like, you know, playing with this uh, stranger. And it's, it's one of the only times you get, like, I don't think of any other times where you get stuck with four hours with another person that you, you just, either you don't, I mean, it's like kind of weird if you don't talk to them, you know. So we're talking, we're chatting, and, you know, we're just like, whatever, you know, and I'm just like, you know, and eventually it always comes out, what do you do for a living? And I don't really, I hate to tell people I'm a pastor because they completely change, you know. So I tell people I'm like a motivational speaker or something, you know, I'm a counselor or whatever, I don't know, I just try to say something, you know, so I'm a joke teller, I, that's what I do. And, uh. And he, he, goes, he goes, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, cool. And so we're just talking, and we're just talking about life. And he's telling me about stuff that's going on in his life and stuff. You know, he's going through some stuff, you know. And um, he gets to the end, and we get out, and I say goodbye. We played 18 holes. <laughs> and when you think, okay, I'm just telling you, if this isn't God, I don't know what it is. So I'm trying to tell him, you know, God's good. You know, you should come check out church and whatever. You know, Christian people are supposed to be nice. So I get into the parking lot. And I'm driving my car, and I pull out of my parking lot, and I'm driving to the left, and all of a sudden, this golf cart comes out of nowhere. Like, I couldn't see him. Comes out of nowhere, and, like, almost hits me, and I hit on the brake. And he hits on his brake. And I look up, and I'm like, 
you know, natural reaction, right? You know, I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and I looked up, and you know who it was? I'm not kidding. Like, if this is the stuff that happens to your pastor, you better pray for me, because I'm telling him about goodness of God, and how you going to be, and he looks up, and he looks at me, and he does the same thing. He's like, oh, yeah. and we recognize, and I was like, and I wrote that, I was like, oh, man, my bad. I was like, that's all good. Hey, God bless you. You know? <laughs> My winter. <laughs> you know? Did anybody else have stories like that? Like where you're just, you're trying to be nice. You know, you're like, God loves you. You're amazing. What are you doing? You know? And so uh, I just realized like, man, I lost my witness, right? Like, dang, come on, man. Aaron, be better. Be better, you know? And. It's like, also, I just, God, you still got work to do. Come on, you just got work to do. I'm just, a, what do they always say when you do something dumb when you're a tr Christian? You know, like, we all on a journey. You know, like, that's like the excuse for everything, you know? It's like, you be cutting people off and doing mean things, and you just do say, well, we're all on a journey, and that makes it all right. Um, but, like, you know, like, in that moment, man, I, I soft answer could have turned away wrath, right? I had an opportunity. I missed out on the opportunity. And so I just think that sometimes you and I just need to soften up. We need to soften up the world. We need to soften ourselves. We need to soften the world. We need to so make the man. Come on, God. Could, you can't reach people you judge. You can't reach people you're trying to be mean to. If you allow their meanness and their hardness to jump up on you and change who you are, like you don't change who you are because of how they responded, you be you, regardless of who they are. And I believe that. You know, if we can kind of work on being flavor and preserving, come on, we can learn how to melt away the, the and bring things back to life and, 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 and soften the things in the heart of the areas of the world. I'm telling you, God can use us to reach people and to build lives. And you have the greatest opportunity. We've created more room and more space for people so that we can go do the Great Commission. So here's your Great Commission today. Here's your homework. Y'all ready for your homework? Go out today and go find someone for Jesus and bring them to church and tell them, hey, here's what God's doing in my life. Here's what I think he can do in your life. And I think if you can get around some life-giving people in a life-giving church, God can do some good things. Because I'm salt. I want to be salt today. I want to bring flavor. And I want to preserve things that might be going to dead. And the things that have gone dead, I'm going to bring back to life with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to make sure that I soften the world that's hardened around me because I want to be better. Because Jesus called us to be better.